Hello and welcome to the Ramgad Pod, the Realtors Association of Maui Government Affairs Director Podcast. Today is Friday, February 28th, 2020, and boy oh boy, do I have a lot going on. So, big news for all of my realtors listening, I am finally initiating a call for action. That's right, realtors. Be on the lookout for text messages and emails over the next week, and be sure to clear your schedule for Friday, March 6th. That is one week from today, Friday, March 6th at 3 p.m., because I want as many people as physically possible to show up for this public information meeting being hosted by the planning department regarding a plan to phase out legal permitted short-term rental homes. That's right. They want to phase out legal permitted short-term rental homes. Those are people complying with the law. For all those illegal short-term rental homes, we're not talking about that. We don't like those folks. Don't break the law. We're talking about people who have owned their properties for five years, went through the process outlined by the law, got permits, and now the county the planning department is talking about phasing them out. So there are about 229 permitted short-term rental homes in Maui County that the planning department is considering phasing out. Why? Well, the two main reasons that they give, the planning department's giving, is that um, STRHs, short-term rental homes, are making enforcement more difficult somehow, and also because STRHs make property values go up. Now, in today's interview with Don Couch, we discuss this flawed logic at great length. And in my interview, um, we go into detail about, you know, a couple of the numbers and, and just the ideas. But if you don't have time to listen to the whole interview, uh, let me give you a quick rundown of why these two arguments are, quite frankly, kind of ridiculous. So regarding property values, this is one of the most spurious arguments I have heard in quite a while. I honestly didn't anticipate it because it is kind of a silly argument. So short-term rental home permits are not transferable upon sale. And a property owner has to own the property for five years before they can even apply for a short-term rental home permit. Um, even if you apply the rules are so stringent that there is a very good possibility that you will not obtain a permit even if the previous owner did obtain a permit. Also, there's a ton of market uncertainty over a five-year period. And the permitted number of permits in each residency area um, over the course of five years from the date of purchase might all be taken up by the time somebody actually qualifies to apply. This is just a, a silly argument that plays on people's anger over housing costs. Let me, let me lay this out for you. In the past 10 years, less than one half of 1%, so 0.5% of all homes sold in Maui County have been granted an STRH permit. Less than half of 1% of all homes sold in Maui County over the last 10 years 
have been granted an STRH permit. I don't know anybody that makes an investment in the hopes that five years from the date of their purchase of that investment, they might qualify to make money off of it. So there's a lot of factors that go into housing costs, but the idea that short-term rental home permits, these, these 229 permits that currently exist, that take a five-year period of ownership in order to even apply for one, is what is causing people to pay higher housing costs. That's, that's just absurd. Now, regarding enforcement, this to me seems like a pretty bad faith argument. And the reason I say that is because a press release went out from the planning department on February 24th, 2020. That was, that was just, you know, less than a week ago. The planning department on February 24th, 2020, put out a press release with uh, the contact listed as Jackie Takakura, administrative planning officer, and it says, quote, with heftier fines and other enforcement actions, the division anticipates Maui County will see the fewest number of illegal vacation rentals in recent memory in 2020. Let me repeat that. The division anticipates that Maui County will see the fewest number of illegal vacation rentals in recent memory in 2020. So what does that tell me? That tells me that the law is working. So mark your calendars once again. One week from today, March 6th at 3 p.m. in the planning department uh, meeting room, down on the, the lower level, located at, at 250 South High Street in Wailuku, there will be a public meeting. Now, this isn't a very large room, so I want to, to get that room filled to capacity, and I want overflow. I want people around the block waiting to share their thoughts on these spurious arguments, on the idea that we're going to punish short-term rental homeowners. I mean, we our economy... <laughs> Jeez, I'm, I'm getting flustered. I'm getting flustered, people, because I'm passionate about this. Um, I, I got an email earlier today. Uh, a property manager that I know decided that they were going to put together a spreadsheet where they outlined how much money they're putting into the economy between their one, two, three, four, five, six, seven properties that, that they manage between these seven properties, in property taxes alone, the owners are paying $123,940 in property taxes. That's just seven properties that are paying that much money in property taxes. GT tax, about $25,000. Transient accommodation tax, about $61,000. Um, let's see, what else do we have? Management, so around $82,000. House cleaning. That's money that stays in our economy, that's getting paid to the house cleaners for just seven properties. They're putting in $60,000. Of that $60,000, that's going to get taxed again in GET. Think about that. That's money that gets spent here, stays here, goes to our economy. Not going to a hotel owned by some mainland corporation or some, some foreign conglomeration. That's money that stays here. Let's see. Um, 
Yard services, $47,000 going into our local economy for yard services for about seven properties. Actually, that's just six properties because one of the properties, the owner does it themselves. Um, where are we at? Maintenance, $41,000. Overall, the total expenses of money that's going into Maui County, or at least the state of Hawaii, over half, or um, sorry, over $400,000 that's being invested in Hawaii. And that's from seven of these 229 uh, permitted legal short-term rental homes. So that brings me to my guest. Um, today's guest is Don Couch. Now, usually my format is I, I do a nice long interview. We get to know people, but uh, Don is a, is a friend and he came in to talk about this specific plan, the STRH phase out plan. And we get into the plan to undo Minnetoya as well. Uh, I don't want to get into that here right now. Uh, but Don has been a public figure for years. He has served three terms in the Maui County Council. He has worked in the Arakawa administration. He currently works with the Victorino administration. You might remember him as the host of a TV show on Akaku. He had the, the first call-in TV show. He's also a popular uh, radio host. And uh, he's a friend of Ram sharp guy overall. So we get into some more details regarding that in the interview. Stay tuned for that. Also, I want to give you a quick heads up. Um, one of my friends over at the Maui Chamber of Commerce, they asked me to promote the BizMix Maui Emergence. So the Maui Chamber of Commerce is celebrating their 110th year anniversary at their upcoming membership celebration and annual fundraiser. They'll have food booths from some favorite Maui chefs, creative cocktails, and avant-garde performers. BizMix Maui Emergence will be March 7th uh, from 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. at UH Maui College. To purchase tickets and get additional information, visit bizmixmaui.com. That's B-I-Z-M-I-X-X-M-A-U-I.com. So check that out and stay tuned for my interview with Don Couch. Thanks. I am joined today by Don Couch. Don, how would people know you? <laughs> Gosh. Uh, wow. Um, I, for a long time, for the old timers here, or at least, you know, 20 or 25 years ago, uh, I had Maui's first live call-in TV show on uh on Akaku, and it was it was the only live TV show uh, in Mau coming from Maui County, so it was kind of cool. It ran for about ten to twelve years. Uh, it's called Opinions Maui, and we talked about all kinds of different issues, um, everything from A to Z, including way back in Kimo Upana's time, the short-term rental police stuff. So that's how far back I go with that. <laughs> Excellent. And so, and then through that show, uh, I, I got to know some of the f folks in the county and then got talked into running for state senate for a couple of times and then worked for the mayor, worked for Mayor Arakawa in 1.0 as an executive assistant and then ran for council for, uh, got on council for three terms. And then worked again for Mayor Arakawa in, in his last two years, and am now currently executive assistant, or they're called 
community liaisons now for uh, Mayor Victorino. Well, thank you so much for making the time to come here today. Uh, you bet. Usually the format of my show is I like to take a deep dive into the past of my guests, learn about their professional background, their careers, what makes them tick, and how they make decisions. Okay. However, <laughs> we're going to have to reschedule you for that. For that some other time. Okay. Yeah, because I'm, I'm actually having you on today to talk about a couple of specific issues. Okay. And the first issue that I want to talk to you about is one that I am that is also my first call for action that I'm issuing as a as a government affairs director okay. here at RAM, and that is this short-term rental home phase-out. Oh boy! Well, I have to give you a little background on that. I was the in all six years on council, three terms. I was the chair of the planning committee, which is the one that did all the land use rules, including Title 19, which is our zoning code which is where we came up with the short-term rental home, STRH bill. Uh, we did that in 2011, 2012, my first two years. Um, we did that bill because we needed a way, we, there were illegal homes all over the place and, and at that time the planning department had to have a fake phone number, not a fake phone number, just a, a phone number with a mainland at uh, area code, have a credit card specifically for that find an ad in the paper and and make a, a booking and actually get it booked before they could do anything. And, and they were severely short of uh, enforcement officers. So there was no push to enforce on illegal vacation rentals, uh, illegal uh, long-term, uh, short-term rental homes, as well as any other bed and breakfast or anything like that. Uh, and back in the Upon a days, there was a huge crackdown, and then again, uh, a little less huge in the Tavares days on vacation rental homes, um, and, and rightly so because they there was they were illegal at the time. There was no mechanism to have short-term rental homes, and we have not a lot. We have about 290, 213, I think, mm. uh, permitted ones now. We we have a cap of about. 400 for the whole county um, and it most of these homes are second homes for people who come here maybe one to five months out of the year uh, most of them are high-end homes you know up and down McKenna the coast of McKenna and Wailea and Cavacapu and even Halama Street and Uluniu there a lot of them are homes um, for people who have a second home and uh, come um, so many months out of the year. So it's not eligible really for long-term rental because you don't want to kick out your renter when you come. Uh, some are also owned by local families who were able to invest a little bit. They live here on the island. They live in Wailuku, Kahului, and they bought something way back when, when Kihei was going for dirt cheap. And now in order to keep the mortgage and their taxes paid, they have to kind of do some short, you know, short-term rental home situation. So we, we started doing the short-term rental home bill. Um, one of the first things I did out of the chute because we needed some mechanism to permit those because the, the market was there, the use was happening, uh, but we didn't want it spread willy-nilly. So we came up with some pretty, uh, what we thought was good rules 
to say if you want one you have to you can't mess with the character of the neighborhood if you park on the street even though long-term rental home people park on the street all the time but you can't park on the street you can't have parties you can only be no matter how many rooms you have you can only be one group you can't say i can't rent one room out to you and then one room out to my friend that you don't know it's one party one night and you can't have parties mm. there are there are quiet hours and we have found and we got a lot of protests when we were um, com coming up with the language of this bill. We have found that the one that the people who were against it were using the most up in Maui Meadows, as soon as that, he was the first guy to get a, a permit. And he has been a model citizen ever since. Okay. Uh, because that's a permit that's, we thought it was going to be easy to get, but easy to lose. Yeah. Uh, but now it's hard to get and still easy to lose. Uh, because the department has put on some um, extra restrictions and things that we never intended at council. In fact, we said if we had our way, we would have a list of things that the, the owner would comply with. They would sign at the bottom line saying, I comply with all of this, and that would be the permit process. The department wanted a little bit of control on that. We said, okay, you come up with a checklist and, you know, they don't have to do the certain things that the department thought they did. We said, no, you just need a home inspection. It doesn't have to be by the county inspectors. It can be a certified architect or whatever, whoever can inspect and say it's safe to live in. It just has to be safe to live in. And you don't, you know, it, it does not put it under the the magnifying glass go through a fine tooth comb. Is it safe to live in for people to come in and visit? Hmm. That's some of the stuff we, we had talked about. And we talked for a year. This went on, these discussions went on for a year. It got to a point where there was enough sentiment against it as well as for it. So what I did is the, the most vocal people against who were level-headed and most vocal people for it who were level-headed. I put them in a room for eight hours and I like to say I didn't give them any food, but we did. <laughs> and with our staff and the planning department staff and they hammered out a bill that was acceptable to all parties, okay? The intent was not to have them go all over the place and proliferate and in fact, um, we made it so corporations uh, can't hold it. It has to be individual that can hold it, uh, mainly because we were concerned that, you know, people like the Marriott or whoever, mm. they're doing this all over the country. They're buying a bunch of them and making a hotel spread out. We wanted to prevent that. So we did a lot of that stuff. And at the same time, we wanted to make it easy to enforce uh, for the planning department. If you don't have a permit, we, we said we got to make it easy to for the planning department to enforce you have to don't go you don't have to go through this issue with uh, uh, fake credit cards and fake phone numbers and all that yeah we put a thing that was we, we made sure that uh, corp council was okay with it <laughs> basically saying advertising if you advertise a vacation rental that is prima facie evidence that you are operating so that advertisement enough is enough to get you a notice of warning and if you don't take down the advertising and if they find out that you actually are still operating then you will get a notice of violation 
So we wanted to make, and at that time we wanted to make the fine pretty big, but the charter restricted us to only $1,000 a day. Mm. And to some people in some of these higher end homes, that was cost of doing business. Yeah. You know, because they can get $10,000 a night for a, uh, a home, some, some of them. So, okay, $1,000, I'll pay the fine. So that, that wasn't prevalent, but that was enough for some people to say okay and not get a permit. But for the most part, people got permits. We were, even though planning has made it a lot more difficult than we expected and actually mentioned in the meetings to, to not make it super difficult, we also gave them two extra enforcement officers to say they're supposed to be doing short-term rental home enforcement or including transient vacation rental homes. Now, I have to pause here for a minute. There are three major categories, and in one of the categories there's actually a couple sub-categories of types of what we call vacation rentals. There's short-term rental homes in which the owner is not present at the home, doesn't live there, rents it out on a you know, one-day to six-month basis for however they want to do it but a short-term rental home they have to have a permit for that then there's bed and breakfast homes which means the owner actually lives in the home and must live in the home anytime somebody is they can rent a room out they can rent out individual rooms say you have a six-bedroom home there can be six different groups you know couples or whatever that don't know each other that can uh, rent out a room one night, three nights, five nights, whatever. So that's bed and breakfast. But the owner has to be on site when they have any guests. So if the owner wants to take a vacation, you either have an owner's representative on site or you close it down for your vacation time. Mm. A lot of times it's couples that they, you know, they want to try to make their mortgage. So the wife runs it and the husband does another job. And if they want to go on vacation, they either do separate vacations or they just close it down. Yeah. So that's bed and breakfast. And there's a limit of those of up to 400 in the county as well. And then you have what people refer to most like most often as transient vacation rentals, TVRs. What those are kind of by definition is uh, all the condos you have in Kihei that, you know, Holly Pauhana, um, Village by the Sea, Kahale Makai, and all those, Maui Sunset, all those are in an area that are at one time were permitted to have short-term vacation rentals or continually are permitted to have short-term vacation rentals. Let And short-term vacation re- rentals in general is anything less than six months. Yeah. You're required, if you're going to rent out your place, you're required to have it uh, six months or more. Okay, if you don't, then it's considered a short-term rental home. So those, and inside those TVRs, you have condos, but you also have hotel rooms. Hotel rooms technically are transient vacation rentals. Yeah, less right? than six months. Right. So in the, um, like we said, we have 400 short-term rental homes, 400 uh, B&Bs, and then we have about eleven to 12,000 rooms either hotel or condo units. So you have to kind of 
distinguish between those. Everybody just lumps, lumps TDRs as one thing, and it's not. They're completely different animals, in it, and rightly so. Yeah. So right now we're talking about short-term rental homes. Now, the planning department has said, oh, the, that experiment didn't work. Mm. I, I beg to differ. What are, when <laughs> I met with the planning department um, earlier this week, I had a meeting with Michelle McLean, the director, and Jackie Takakura. Okay. And in my meeting with them, I kind of asked them, hey, we've got these 229 short-term rental homes that are permitted. These are okay. legal short-term rental homes. And there's this plan to phase them out, um, essentially put a prohibition on <laughs> short-term rental homes, stop renewing permits. So you said that to them or they told that to you? I, I said, this is the plan. They, they listed the number as 229, and they, all they said was, we don't have any legislation drafted, um, but we're exploring options to phase them out. I, I should note that, um, that I had a nicer meeting with them. They, they said that this is not a foregone conclusion. However, when, uh, when the MVRA met with them, there was a post-it note on the file that said STRH RIP 1231-2023. So that leads me to believe that maybe it is a foregone conclusion in some people's minds that they want to phase out short-term rental homes. Well, if I can get you, give you a, an anecdote, um, somebody complained to me saying they had uh, somebody go in and want to renew their short-term rental home permit, and we're told by the planning department, oh, we're phasing them out, so don't bother. Oh, wow. That is an anecdote. I don't have it confirmed, but the person was a bit upset. So to me, that means it's a foregone conclusion, and I am not happy with it. Yeah. I will come, and I, you know, I have, to worry, I have to work with the mayor because I work for the mayor. Um, but, you know, the mayor and I were on council at the same time and supported this bill. We worked hard to get it so everybody was happy. And I think it's, I'm going to use the word Shabai, that, that it, I don't, you know, doing some analysis, it does not raise the property values, mainly because if I have a short-term rental home and I want to sell it to somebody else who wants to then maybe make it into a, continue to make it a short-term rental home, I have to wait five years, or the, the person who buys it has to wait five years to even apply for another permit. So the permit goes with the person. Mm. I sell the house, the permit's done. And the person who buys the house cannot uh, apply for a permit for five years. So there's no way somebody's going to invest, you know, five years. It just isn't pushing the price of the houses up. If you look at the price of houses, everywhere they're going up. Yeah. So that is not, you know, I think that's a, a weak, actually, I think it's a specious argument. Well, the, yeah. So let me, let me get into that. At, at that meeting that I had on the 26th, uh, I asked flat out, why? Right. What, what's the reasoning behind this? And I got given three reasons from, from the planning director. The first was original intent. The, I, the claim was that the original intent of the bill was if we make a mechanism for people to operate legally, then short-term rentals, um, illegal vacation rentals will stop. Um, that, that seemed a little bit absurd, but, but we got to talking about that. 
And the claim was that enforcement has gotten more difficult because illegal vacation rentals are using the pictures and permit numbers from the legal operators um, in their advertisements. And that's how they're, they're hiding amongst them. To me, this seems like, like banning cars to stop people from speeding. Um, yep. that, that seems kind of like a, a specious argument. But the other thing that bothers me is that there was recently a report that, that is on the planning department's website, and it's called the Maui County Transient Vacation Rental Enforcement 2019 Summary. And according to this report, enforcement against illegal vacation rentals has actually improved pretty drastically over the last couple of years. Yes. Is that accurate? Yes. Um, again, as, a, as the chair of the planning committee, we had a company uh, come and because we were concerned about enforcement, okay, in about 2013-14, somewhere around there, we had a company come and say, hey, we can do, uh, we can scan the internet and we can do a lot of massaging of data and find out that these people are, that these specific people are advertising for uh, vacation rentals. And if you give us a list of the ones that are allowed, then, you know, we can give you all the illegal ones. Um, and at that time, it was a very, he did a, a quick sample and he says, oh yeah, you've got 10,000, 11,000 uh, units, individual units out there advertising. And everybody, first all the council members, were like, see, we told you, we got all the, and I said, no, wait a minute. <laughs> We have 11,000 units that are permitted to do this. Yeah. So some of that stuff, you know, is is permitted and allowed. So that's why you have to work with this company to figure out which are allowed, which aren't. And what was surprising to me as the chair of the committee and just in general was there wasn't just that one company that does this. There's five companies nationwide that do this. So this is not a Maui problem. This is not a Hawaii problem. This is everywhere. Yeah. Okay. Any destination city, including college towns where they go to, you know, where they have college football games or college basketball games. People go to short term, you know, now, especially with Airbnb and whatnot, it's pro pro proliferating. Mm. Tongue tied there. Uh, it's just out there. And so, of course, the planning department is... I'm very concerned, and I would be too. But these companies, they put out a planning department, put out a bid. They they got a company called Lodging Rebs, and they scanned and they did everything, and they cross-referenced lists, and they came up with a whopping six hundred and or seven hundred, uh, what they considered illegal vacation rentals. And I thought, well, that's kind of high, but that's not too bad. Everybody's saying there's 10,000. Yeah, it's a that. lot different than 10,000. It's a lot different than 10,000. So, and, and then looking through each one of those, uh, an, our, a request for services was generated for the planning department. <clears throat> so there were 700. Top. Well, if you look at them, half of them were actually permitted vacation rentals, but in one ad or another, they forgot to put or did not have their permit number in there. So right there, there's 50% gone. So now you're only looking at 300-ish. At the high end, yeah. At the high end, 350 at the high end. Yeah. Illegal. Not 10,000. And it's, you know, yes, 300 homes may, 
you know, th and this is this is condos. This is TVR vacation rentals in general. The, all those categories I told you about that's combined for this for mm. this number. So, out of approximately eleven to twelve thousand that that are out there, only three hundred of them may be illegal. And all of those have been given letters of notices of warning, and most of them have taken their ads down. Some have not, and they've they've uh, uh, been accruing fines with notices of violation. Um, <clears throat> one of my concerns in just kind of listening, because I was working uh, as in Jackie Takagura's position for a while uh, at the zoning enforcement area. Um, we had a couple of uh, limited term appointments there and they were checking <clears throat> religiously the stuff that came from lodging revs <clears throat> and they were rechecking after the people took it down they were making sure that they didn't come back up later i don't know if that's happening now uh, because those limited term appointments had to leave so i'm not sure that uh, you know that was a year and a half ago that i <clears throat> yeah that i was looking at that um so i don't know how that's going and on it, it once again to to make that original intent argument that this was supposed to to get rid of short-term no rentals, it seems it, it was making it easier to enforce and it seems like it accomplished yes that. now i'm i'm ignorant i wasn't here at the time no. before there was a legal path mm -hmm. to short-term rental home permits were there no illegal vacation rentals on the island no <laughs> Of course not. That's why we came up with the, there were tons of, well, not tons, apparently, but there were enough illegal that it caused the, the legal ones at that time, the only way you could do it was get a bed and breakfast permit or get a conditional use permit, which means you had to go through council, planning commission, a whole bunch of stuff in order to get a permit to run a bed, and, I mean, a uh, short-term rental home. And there are a few out there, and they're still there because they had to go through a lot of stuff. But that's it. The rest were all illegal. So in your opinion, as somebody who has worked with this, if we get rid of legal short-term rental homes, do you think that'll, that'll improve enforcement? Heck no. In fact, it'll add a lot more burden because all the 219, you know, even if only half of them still continue to operate, that's a lot. Now, some <clears> people <throat> might be listening to this and they might be thinking to themselves, I don't have a short-term rental home. Uh, we got we got hotels and resorts here. What possible benefit is the county getting from having these legal short-term rental homes? And not just the county, the state. Well, the county, of course, property taxes are higher. Not the values of the property. The property taxes are higher if you run a short-term rental home, as opposed to leaving it empty and having it just a what they call a residential rate. And, and the property taxes are the county's main form of revenue. That's our, that's two thirds of our, I believe it's two thirds of our form of revenue. Fees, fees and rates and fees are another portion of that and grants. Um, so that's our main source of revenue is property taxes. Um, I think somebody did uh, analysis and I, I can't quote this, but I, I, just what I heard is that if you get rid of the short-term rental homes, um, there's a $3 million hit to our revenue, which, you know, it's not a lot in percentage wise, but still $3 million can do a lot of stuff for a lot of different, um, you know, agencies and whatnot. So, 
Well, also <clears throat> beyond that, if if we have if we take a three million dollar hit from revenue from that property tax classification. Somebody else's property taxes are going to have to go up if we want to keep the same. Same, same, same amount of revenue, amount same of revenue. budget. Yep. Yeah, and our budget tends to go up every <sighs> year. So, so maybe we don't want to get rid of revenue. Um, <laughs> do, what other taxes and, and so, money? So, okay, yeah, that was county taxes. Um, state taxes, you have the general excise tax and the transient accommodations tax. Uh, which totals about 14% total, I think. I'm not a tax person, but <clears throat> I believe that's the number. Um, plus, here's the other thing, and, and we got a, a the mayor got a, a letter from somebody who owns a short-term rental home here, um, and I believe they live on an island as well, but I'm not sure. But they say we pay $40,000 in property taxes. What's your property tax? You're a homeowner. Right, you may have twelve hundred dollars a year. It's significantly lower. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I pay a lot so, less. So we have forty forty thousand dollars in just that one home in in property taxes. They pay forty two thousand dollars to a cleaning company for the year. Wow. They pay six thousand dollars for landscaping. They pay. They ended up paying over a hundred thousand dollars. Way over a hundred thousand, about one hundred fifty thousand dollars to the economy to other people, to other jobs. And that's just one home out of 240, 200, what did they say, 229? Yeah, 229. Yeah, so do the math. That's a lot. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that's a lot more than I'm I'm infusing into Yeah, you've, you've got the jobs. Um, you know, I'll full disclosure here. My wife is a, an accountant, and two of her clients are property managers who pr manage short-term rental homes and TVRs, all legal. You know, they make sure they're legal. Uh, so, you know, it would be her income would go down quite a bit. Uh, but she knows how much she pays to all the house cleaners and the handymen and, and the landscape. And, and so it's not, it's a lot of jobs. And this isn't even counting the money that, that the visitors spend while they're here. Correct, and the visitors spend money. And by the way, when the ma property management company pays these people who who uh, do the j work, you know, the the cleaners and the landscapers landscape and all yeah. that, they pay GET. Yeah. As well. As well as uh, personal income tax to the state. Supposedly. I mean, they all, most of them do. So it's a huge it economic, and that's just the 229 homes. Okay. You multiply that if if you go into our next topic of discussion, we'll get to that in. A yeah, we'll get to that in a minute. <clears throat> I, w I want to stick with with these reasons. So so it was just original intent was only one reason that right. I got from the planning department. Right. Um, the the second reason, and you've hinted at it a couple of times, is the effect on property values. So the claim <laughs> was that that this is impacting property values. It's people are paying a premium in hopes that they can operate a short-term rental home. Mm. Um, and I, I said, wait, are you telling me that Maui's property values are going up because people are going to potentially run a short-term rental home five years after they purchase their properties? And that's when they said, no, 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 there's various reasons why the property values are going up. Um, you got an interesting statistic this morning. Yes. Do, do you want to share that with us? Uh, yeah. Um, Basically, in the last, 
uh, <clears throat> excuse me, um, in the last eight years, 10 years, I'm sorry, less than one half of 1% of single family homes sold has been issued an SDRH permit. Um, and any new homes purchased must be owned for five years before becoming eligible to supply, apply for an SDRH permit. So I think that's one in 200 homes. Yeah. And that's, that's the argument that, that for the potential of operating a short-term rental home five years after making their investment. It's going to make everybody else's surroundings property values go up. No. Yeah. No. <laughs> Sorry, no. <laughs> I, I just, I wish somebody would call them out on that. That's wrong. I mean, there's, there's various reasons why property <clears throat> values are going up. One of the things that you touched on, which anybody can look up, is nationally, the housing, housing prices yeah. have gone up. Yeah. There, and this is related to, to the same issues we have the on lack Maui. Lack of inventory. Lack of inventory. Lack of inventory, um, regulatory costs, yep. and um, material costs. Yes. And I, I, I got to complain here real quick. I was quoted in the paper, um, and, and they had Lance Collins' quotes knocking mine down, saying that there's absolutely no evidence that regulatory costs have any impact on the cost Who of housing. Who said that? Um, I, I think this was, was a quote from Lance Collins addressing oh my, my argument with regulatory costs. Um, what's the Jones Act? <clears throat> the Jones Act, oh yeah, you, that's, that's way out there. The Jones Act requires any ship that was built, any, anytime you want to ship something around, the ship has to have been built and it has to be crewed by an American crew built in an American shipyard in order to go from one American port to another American port. Okay? So if I'm getting lumber to build houses and let's say it's coming from canada and then we've got the regular no, no, cost canada okay oregon okay washington. it's coming from from washington right so if it's coming from oregon or washington the ship that transports it must be built in the united states and crewed by a united states crew we don't have very many shipyards anymore in the united states mm. we don't have very many at all so that is kind of a monopoly for places like Matson and, and whatnot. Now, if it were to come from Canada, you could have it, you know, there's other tariffs, but you can have it come from a, you know, foreign run crew and a foreign ship. But then that doesn't help uh, us doing interstate commerce with our fellow, you know, states. Yeah. So we have the, the regulation of tariffs from Canada, right. but let's say we're, we're getting something from, from Oregon or Washington. It's got to be a U.S. crew. Right. Do you think that and increase, a U.S. ship. And a U.S. ship. Do you think that increases cost of building material? Of course. Yes, it does. So, and what about local regulations? Is there any local regulation that would increase cost? <laughs> Maybe like environmental impact statements. We don't, we, let's not get sidetracked on that. The, I there are, I, I, I um, just talked to somebody uh, for the R&T park where we gave some zoning. They want to put in homes there. They want to put in affordable homes. But because they're on Blue Rock and all the regulations required around that, it's going to cost him about $300,000 to $350,000 to put a pad down before they even build one stick. Do you think that might increase the cost of housing? Maybe. Yeah. Just a little bit. But um, do you think it'll increase the cost of housing if somebody you know, a couple of years from now is hoping to, to convert to a short-term rental home? Probably no. not. No. no. That's a, a pretty spurious so, argument. So what, one of the arguments has, when we were coming up with this law, was, oh, you're taking away from long-term rent, 
rentals. That was another one, yeah. Was that one of their excuses? Well, when I when I called BS on the increase in housing prices, mm -hmm. the argument was, well, it's increasing rent for, for long-term rentals because either people are losing their long-term rentals because somebody wants to convert it to a short-term rental or because somebody can can operate a short-term rental at a higher profit um they're they're gonna basically force their long-term rents to pay tenants to pay right, more right, yeah right. you know i've heard uh from people who that has happened to but only a couple mm. um, most of the most of the the short-term strh homes are these high-end homes that are not going to be long-term rented, you know, especially in an affordable, they, they could maybe long-term rent them. But again, these are people who are, it's their second home. They're coming here one month to four or five months out of the year. So if you were a renter and I said, I want to rent you my home, but you, I'm, I'm going to come for three months out of the year. So in those three months, you got to beat it. I wouldn't do that. You might, well, I do know some people that actually do that. Oh. But then they have to go to places like Kapalua <clears throat> for their three weeks or a month and a half where they have, they have to get a short-term rental home mm. <laughs> and, and pay a lot of extra money. But some people will do that. But when you add it all up, I don't think it's going to be cost-effective. But they're doing it because there's no other... Yeah. Inventory. <clears throat> and it's not 229 homes that, that's the issue. We're building in Kihei 300 rental homes and two projects that will be done by the end of this year or next. So that takes that equation right out of the picture. And there's more projects being built uh, slowly, but they're being built. That is, is just that's a specious argument, in my opinion. Now, the third <coughs> argument, and honestly, this was the most compelling argument to me. Okay. Um, was they said that whenever there's an application that triggers review by the Planning Commission, right. they always get a lot of people showing up who complain that they don't <laughs> want short-term mm. rental homes in their neighborhood because it affects the character of their neighborhood. Okay. <sighs> let me go. Let me, oh, my gosh. So, we took that concern and said, okay, part of this is you can't affect the character of the neighborhood. And, but you have to prove that you're going to affect the character of the neighborhood. So what happens is we said, you know, if there's more than two within 500 feet, yeah, that could have start affecting the character of the neighborhood. So you have to go to the planning commission and get approval from them. It's not an administrative okay. And the reason for that is, hey, you've got to are they affecting the neighborhood? Almost every time, it's like, no. These people, they're quiet. They're not parking on the street. They're model citizens. Uh, so they're not affecting the neighborhood 99% of the time. Because if they are, then they will get their permits. It's easy for their permits to be re revoked mm. if they start becoming a nuisance to the neighborhood or affecting the character of the neighborhood. So there's already a safeguard. In <clears throat> there's a safeguard there. The other issue, so all these people that are coming and complaining about this are afraid because they hear, they hear stories. It's not something that's been happening. 
there, it's something that they're afraid might happen. Um, but it's interesting. Um, how many people, you know, people say, well, I need, I, you know, I don't know who's coming and going from that house. How many people these days? It used to be, yeah, that's understandable. You know, we knew everybody when I was growing up. We knew five houses each way and, and whatnot. These days, how many people know their neighbors? Yeah. How many people talk to their neighbors, which is unfortunate. But I, I, I think that's an excuse that, mm, I don't know. Um, a lot of times, long-term renters are hard to evict. Mm. If, they're, if they are bad apples, and, and sometimes they are, we get stories at the mayor's office all the time. Hey, I can't get rid of these tenants, and they're doing this, they're making noise, or, you know. <laughs> you, I, have, I, you have less ability, especially if you're a landlord, to evict those people than you do if it's a short-term rental home, you say, you're out. And as a neighbor... I got to tell you, I've got these neighbors <laughs> and they are long-term tenants yeah. and it's a huge family and they are super loud. Um, you know, they, they play loud music in the middle of the night, right by my bedroom and window. And your landlord cannot yeah. enforce that. It's very difficult for them to get those people out. I honestly wish it was a short-term rental on that property just so that I had some assurance that these people would let me get some sleep at a yes. certain point, that they yes. would be gone at a certain point. And that's what the short-term rental home ordinance does yeah. that they want to get rid of, which is absurd to me. Now, what do you, what do you know about uh, the timeline of this? And, and the... I have no idea. There's a meeting on March 6th, and that's how I found out about it, is they were going to do a press release, and <clears throat> somebody brought it to me, and I said, I just said, what, what the heck are you talking about? <laughs> and has there been a press release? Because the only time... There was going to be, I don't know if... Yeah, I think that, that article in the paper today... Okay. I think it talked about it. Yeah. The, thus far, the only place that I've seen it is under the hot topics of the planning department's website. There, it's not even a link. There's no agenda. But it, it does say, and everybody mark your calendars. We're going to repeat this a couple of times. March 6th, that's next Friday, a yep. week from today, at 3 p.m., and, and where's it going to be, Dino? Oh, I don't, I didn't. It's, it's going to be in the um, Planning Commission meeting room, I believe, oh, at 250 okay. South High Street. Okay. And is that at the, uh, the bottom floor? So Yeah, the, the conference room is in the bottom the floor. The conference room is the floor below the lobby level. Right. Um, on the, the short building, the old, uh, the old, basically the old county building. Yeah, so the old county building <clears throat> on March 6th at 3 p.m., there's going to be a <clears throat> public show up. information meeting. And I'm, I'm setting up the call for action now. Realtors, you're going to get your text messages if you signed up for the Realtor Party Alerts, texting Realtor to 30644. Um, we're going to send out emails. I want as many of our 1,700 members in that room as can fit. And then I want us to line up around the block and, <laughs> and share our feelings on this. Because I really think, especially with what we have going on with the coronavirus and oh, yeah. so much uncertainty with our economy, um, that this is just such a bad idea. I want to I, I go back to the character of the neighborhood thing. Yeah. Look out your window. I know we're not on TV, but look out your window. Okay, I'm looking out here. I'm, I'm looking. I got a view of Yale Valley. Character of the neighborhood. That, neighbor, that house right there is wall-to-wall -wall junk 
in the backyard. If you're the neighbor of that house, that's if that's a short-term rental, it's not going to be that way. No. If that's a long-term rental, how are you going to clean that up? It's going to cost you as a tenant to clean that, as a landlord to clean that up. If you, if it's your own home. So talk to me about character of the neighborhood and right out this window is a good example of. <laughs> yeah. And, and by all means, I think if, if you live in a neighborhood where there is a short-term rental home mm-hmm. and they have guests that are rude, that are oh, disrespectful absolutely. to the neighbors, I think you should call up the planning department immediately. Here's, here's the thing. Every legal short-term rental home must have a sign, not a very big sign, but a sign big enough to be read from the street that has the permit number, the name of the um, home, you know, if you have the name of the business, or, and the name of the person to contact and the phone number to contact. They are required to have somebody within a half hour, I believe it's half hour, it might be an hour now, but be able to be there within a certain amount of time, between an hour and a half hour, I, I can't remember. We started at a half hour and I, I don't remember where we ended up with. Mm. Um, so they got to be there. And if there's noise, within an hour it's going to be fixed. If it's not, then you complain to the planning department and the planning department comes down on them. And the guy could lose their permit. The homeowner could lose their permit. And that's a hard permit to get right now, unfortunately, but it is a hard uh, permit to get. And so they want to hold on to those as long as they have their house. So as I said, the vast majority in the 90% tile range are good actors, are, are following and are very careful with the house rules and whatnot. So. Now, as somebody who has been a decision maker, works with decision makers, mm-hmm. um, what sort of information do you think would be helpful for people to share? <clears throat> the, certainly the amount of jobs it creates, uh, that's important. Uh, the actual character of the neighborhood, you know, we're not, you can talk to them about that. So it's not affecting the character of the neighborhood. Uh, <clears throat> I guess it's up to folks like you uh, to come up with the whole property value thing, mm. you know. Um, just the, the fact that, hey, look, I'm only here one or two months out of the year. Uh, this is providing jobs and <clears throat> money into the economy. Uh, you know, this is a whole new era, if you will. Taxi cabs. You got to be careful with taxi cabs because you got Uber and Lyft. You got, you know, people who deliver all kinds of groceries now. All different companies that deliver restaurant stuff. It's it's a new changing economy. The internet has brought a bunch of stuff in there. You have to adapt to it. If you're going to stick to the old rules, you're going to get lost. You're going to be, uh, you're going to get um, inundated with enforcement issues. It's just, it's, <clears throat> you got to adapt, in my opinion. And, yeah. And I think these types of homes are A, wanted, and B, necessary. I mean, we could have them sit empty six, you know, eight, nine, ten months out of the year, if maybe. Um, somebody could come and mow the lawn once a month, but you got no house cleaning, you got uh, no 
uh, rental management, a bunch of different other positions, you know, it's not going to add to the long-term rental pool. It's just not. Yeah, that's unlikely. Um, one of the other arguments that, that I was reminded of was, well, those guests will still come to Maui. They'll just stay at the hotels and resorts. No. And the hotels already pay a higher tax rate. Anyway. No. No, that's what I was just talking about. It's a new economy, a new era. People want to stay in neighborhoods. They want to kind of, quote unquote, live like the locals, mm. if you will. Um, you know, when we went to Italy, we went to bed and breakfast. Next time we go, we're going to go Airbnb. Because yeah. A, it's cheaper than the hotels, and it's a different experience. You get to meet the people, especially in the B&Bs. You get to meet the people that live there. They can tell you, you know, what to avoid, what not to, what to, where to go. Um, the only time we stayed in a hotel was on by the airport when we're headed home. So, yeah, it, it's a new... And even even traveling with a family. I mean, my, my brother, right, he's, right. he's married and they've got three kids and they could not possibly stay at, at a hotel. At a hotel. They'd hotel. have to get three rooms, two yeah. rooms, minimum it, it, two rooms. It just wouldn't make sense for them. Right. And, and even the facilities that are there, right. the ability to, to take care of their kids and put them to bed and still, you know, stay up and have a cup of coffee or have a cup, glass mm -hmm. of wine and hang out. Yep. Uh, yeah, it, it just seems... You know, that answer that the hotels and resorts will save us. Plus, the thing that frustrates me about that argument is, you know, arguably 50% of the legal STRH homes are, are owned by out-of-state people. The or other, at least... The other 50% are owned by people here. Yes. What percentage of the hotels and resorts are owned by out-of-state companies? Right, um, right. You know, and then this argument, um, another argument that was made when I brought up the fact that there are a lot of housekeepers, a lot of landscapers. Yeah. These folks rely on these jobs. Um, they said, well, they could go and work for the hotels. The housekeepers oh. could work for the hotels and be a part of the union and get benefits. I, these are entrepreneurs. Yeah. They've got their own companies. I, that, I, I'm just yeah. floored at those arguments. It, it just seems short-sighted, and I, I don't really understand why, why I don't now. either. I don't either. I mean, we went through a lot of discussion and work to get this ordinance and to make, make it so it should be easier <clears throat> to enforce. And, you know, if they get rid of it, then you've got a whole lot more that you have to enforce. Yeah. That's, that was my thinking. You know, what I said in the meeting was, uh, you know, prohibition didn't work to stop bootleggers. If anything, it just bolstered the, the <coughs> bootlegger line yep. of work. Yep. You know, prohibition didn't work in 1920. And I, I don't think a, a prohibition on legal short-term rentals is going to do anything to, to help folks. When they brought up that argument, well, it makes it easier for the, the illegal ones to hide. Oh, it does not. I thought to myself, well, you know what? If I were to operate an illegal one, I would just use a picture of my neighbor's house, even if they don't have a permit, and fine. I'll still be able to hide. So, so this notion that, that banning all short-term rental homes, it, it just, it floors me. Yep, me um, too. Now let's move on to another topic that is also really frustrating to me. Okay. And it also invokes this question of why, 
why are we trying <clears throat> to solve something that's not really a problem, which is this idea of, of undoing the Minotoya opinion. Now, you are intimately related oh, yes. to this. Okay. Uh, do we have a, how long have we been going? Because this is another hour. We've been going for 49 minutes. Yeah, <laughs> this is another hour. Um, this has been floating around. So let me just tell you what the Minotoya decision is, and maybe we can touch on that and come back at another time, yeah. possibly. <clears throat> uh, Richard Minotoya, rest his soul, um, was a corp counsel back in 2001 and was asked by uh, then council member Arakawa, chair of the land use committee, um, well, corp council was asked about um, some things that happened. What happened in 1989, uh, ordinance number 1797 said, <clears throat> all right, we have a shortage, <laughs> this might sound familiar to you, <laughs> we have a shortage of long-term rentals, long-term housing, uh, so we're saying any apartments built in the apartment district from now on can no longer have short-term rentals. And they, that's where did they define short-term rentals of six months or less, <clears throat> or less than six months. So that was the first instance of, oh, short-term rentals now. But at that time, there were, you know, Holly, like I mentioned, Holly Palahana, Wailea, Ekolu, Ekahi, Elua, all of the Wailea ones, a bunch of units to be a kind of exact, but not really, a ballpark around 67 to 8,500 units, somewhere in there. <clears throat> uh, I think the planning department says 6,700 but I've seen, an, I've seen a number that says 8,500. But they've been there. They were built before 1989. They've been doing, <clears throat> I mean, they were built for long-term or short-term rentals. They have a check-in desk. They have everything that you would think for, they, you know, they call them condo hotels, if you will. Mm. So they were built for that. Now it's the government came and says, well, we're taking away that right. And the lawyer said, no, you can take away that right for anything built from then on. Great. But anything that's, that's already there. Uh, in fact, the ordinance itself <clears throat> has a section, and this is the weird part. When you make an ordinance, you have several sections. You have a purpose section. You have changes in the code. And then you have some, hey, it takes effect at this time. And some other things that you want to say in these sections. Well, this one had uh, section 11. It was called section 11. And what that section did, it did not change any code, but it did um, give not a grandfathering. It, it was even better, even more um, use. I'm looking through the, this is the one. Here's the other. <clears throat> section 11 says, in ordinance number 1797 in 1989, section 11 says, this ordinance shall take effect upon its approval provided that this ordinance shall not apply to building permits, special management area use permits, or planned development approval, which were lawfully issued and valid on the effective date of this ordinance. Okay, what the problem with that is, 
is that's not put in any municipal code. This was in 1989. So you have new planners and new code enforcement. And as it goes on, in 2001 is when this came up, they said, wait a minute, are these units allowed to continue their short-term rental use or their TVR use, vacation rental use? Well, Minnetoya came back and says, based on some court cases and some uh, in section 11 in here, yes, they are. Anything that was built or has <clears throat> building permits, special management area use permits, or planned development approval, which were lawfully issued and valid on the effective date of the ordinance, which was if we're going effective date of the ordinance, April 20th, 1989. <clears throat> and even there it says subject to section 11, but that's not in code anywhere. Mm. So what happens is people forget about it or they're just conveniently skipping that. And when, when, they tell somebody, no, you can't do a short-term rental use there. They don't, the people say, oh, bummer. And they don't know to go back and say, wait, I was built before 1989. I had my building permit. So what we did, because there was this, it was called the Minotoya opinion. We at the planning committee again said, well, in order to not have this confusion, we're going to codify section 11. So Section 11 already had the power of law. It has the power of law, but it's not written in the Maui County Code. Okay. It's written in the list of ordinances, but you have... To, it's ordinance number 1797. We're on ordinance 5000 whatever mm. now. So, right? you, so it's not like you created a new law. No, I just, just codified the law as it was intended in, in 1797. Now, <clears throat> uh, what that basically says, all these places that were built for vacation rentals can still do vacation rentals. Now, if you take out your, your codification yes. of Minnetoya, does that change the fact that 1797 still exists? If you take out, no, it doesn't. So even if you take it out of the Maui County what Code. What they would have to do is put into the Maui County Code saying, basically section 11 is now, no, I don't know what, I don't guess I don't want to tell them what to do. Yeah. They basically have to say Section 11 is null, null and void now. And you would have to strip people of a property right that they've had since Correct. the 80s? Or earlier. Some of earlier. these places were built in the 70s. Yeah. Yeah. So, and talk about tax revenue. Mm. Tax revenue. We're talking double-digit millions of, you know, maybe $30, $40 million, maybe more. Wow. Yeah. <clears throat> These guys, when we do our, uh, when we were doing the budget, <clears throat> it, I, I always had the question just to get it on the record. But the first time I had the question, I was like, what the heck? <clears throat> it says, by around there's about 11,000 uh, uh, TMKs, 11,000 TMKs in this classification of hotel resort. And I said, we don't have 11,000 hotels. And the department, you know, RPT, Real Property Tax Department says, no, we have 32, at that time, 32 hotels. The rest are the condominium, individual condominium units. So Holly Pauhana, if they have 300 units in there, that's 300 TM tax map keys. Gotcha. So that's 300 of those 11,000 units. So that's basically the majority and they were all taxed the same. 
Now, the value of the hotels, of course, were much higher. Yeah. But the value of those condos combined was almost there. And the tax rates were the same. So the majority of our income revenue, if you will, from taxes came from the hotel resort classification. Man. Of the cla- all the, wait, there were 12 or 13 classifications at the time. The biggest amount came from hotel resort. And in fact, Kihei, West, South Maui and West Maui, actually West Maui first and then South Maui. West Maui brings in 35% of the county's revenue. And this was again when I was on council. And South Maui does 33%. So 68%, almost 70% of the revenue for Maui County comes from South and West Maui. If we as a county lost $40 million in oh annual gosh. revenue, what, what are some of the things that, that would, would lose out? You know, how would that impact us? Well, it would be uh, grants to the nonprofits. It would be a lot less road repair. Everybody's saying, oh, the roads never get repaired. We actually doubled and tripled the amount of road repair dollars when I was on council because, because of the fact. But we have so many lane miles of roads. We have over 1,000 lane miles of roads at $300,000 a mile to repair, uh, repave on an average. So that's, you know, billions of dollars, and we just have to chip at it bit by bit. So all that would be cut way back. Um, you know, core services would can't be cut. Yeah. So maybe parks, <clears throat> less parks people, certainly not less fire or police, but less parks people, less, less people to do the work that needs to be done. Yeah. Less amount of grants to nonprofits and whatnot. It's just not a good thing. Or, or if we want to keep all those services and keep all that, raise homeowner taxes. Mm. A number that you may want to be very familiar with every tax year. Look at the amount of revenue we get from the homeowner classification, which means it's you and I living here. We claim homeowner's exemption. Look at the total revenue from everybody in that class and pit it against, let's say, the fire department or the police department. You find out that all the residents combined, at least when I was on council, paid for half of the police department only. Everything else was paid by commercial, hotel resort, and industrial, and all the other. But the majority of tax map keys are homeowner with homeowner exemption. And that Revenue that we get just pays for half the police department. So we undo Minnetoya. A lot of that revenue goes away. Well, a lot either goes away or we have to make it up through the homeowners. Yeah. That's a scary thought. Yeah. Luckily, there, there hasn't been a bill introduced yet. To there hasn't Minnetoya. been a bill introduced, but uh, there's been a, a testimony introduced at the West Maui um, Community Plan Advisory Committee from Tamara Paulton's um, aide saying the uh, council member Paulton plans on introducing this resolution that will, at this point, 
I believe eliminate the the code that we put in. Yeah, it would it would <clears throat> it adds a third paragraph and it says, you know, on January 15th, 2024, this subsection G will hereby be reversed or right, something along right. those lines. Yeah. 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 You think that's going to cause any litigation? Um I don't know. I I'm guessing yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's I probably going to cause some, yeah. some... I mean, you can't just strip people and of then, a property right. And then guess who pays for the, the litigation? Oh, the taxpayers. The, of course. Yeah, of course. <laughs> anyway, we can go into a long... You know, that was the short version of Minotoya, but... Because we don't have a timeline on the Minotoya stuff and it, and it hasn't been introduced to council yet, we could, we could just sort of skip over that. Right. Um, but, but, but that's looming out there. Yeah. So, if you're going to do a call to action, you need to call <clears throat> your realtors. Your realtors need to call the people that they represent that have these short-term rental condominiums and say, look, you guys have to get together as a group. You know, there's 8,500 of you. You got to come or else, you know, it's the whole adage. They're going to go after the little guy. They went after Molokai first and Molokai's going. Mm. They're going after short-term rental homes on Lanai first. Right? Then they're going after short-term rental homes here. Once they get that done, guess what's next? Yeah. <clears throat> Especially you have a council member already ready to introduce. It's a busy year. Yeah. yeah. We got we got a, quite the year ahead of us. Yep. And it's an election year. That'll be fun. Yeah. That'll be, <laughs> and the economy is crashing. So, it's beautiful. You know, we can analyze that, but real quick... <clears throat> Those condos may or may not, you know, those 8,500 units, most of them won't be uh, affordable long-term rentals if they get changed to long-term rental. Yeah. Because, <clears throat> again, those condos are, I have some friends that are part-time residents here. They've paddled with us. They contribute to the economy. Uh, they even, you know, they, they, they're here more than six months, I think. But <clears throat> they even vote. And they, but they travel, they're retired teachers and they've saved up enough money. So they go to different places and then they come back and uh, they rent their house, their condo out. They're not going to rent it long term because they're going to live there. Yeah. You know, four to six months out of the year. Sometimes it's four, sometimes it's eight. So they don't have the ability to long term rent it. Generally, with long-term rentals, renters, you want to be able to say, hey, if this is a good tenant, I want them there <clears throat> as long as, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I, I would not lease a, a property that I could not live at all year round. Right. Um, and, you know, so, so it wouldn't appeal to me if, if I'm living in somebody else's house that they want to use one to six months out of right. the year. Right. But um, if that's all that's left now? Yeah. Either that or, you know, tent. That may be something you have to do. Like some people I know are actually doing that because there's no other alternative. Yeah. I just, um, you know, I, I think I think the phase out of short-term rental homes uh, is really just punishing folks who followed the law. Who followed the right. And that was, that was some of the concern of the, I guess, the Maui Vacation Rental Association. They got formed because of all this. <clears throat> when we were going through this, they were concerned. It was like, 
hey, we're going to stick our heads up and say we want to be legal. Now you have our name, address, and you're going to go after us. We on the council said no. We mm. said no, that's not the point. The point is to go after illegals. What is the planning department doing? They're going after them. Yeah. It's ridiculous. And, and I, I, I'm, I'm just, you know, I, I, I worked in the department for a while, and I know worked with the department for a long while. Love the people there, but this is ridiculous. Yeah. I'm, I'm just livid. Well, thank you for, <laughs> for coming today and, and telling us about the issue, explaining it for us. Um, I assume I'll see you March 6th at 3 p.m. Maybe. You gotta work. You gotta work. You gotta work. <laughs> I will be there March 6th at 3 p.m. I want all of my members listening to be there I may March 6th. Take 6, a vacation day, I 3 guess. I'll have to go there. Take a vacation day, take an early day off of work. Uh, come on out. <clears throat> if, if any county employees are listening, you speak up to your bosses. Tell them, tell them that this is a bad idea because I'm gonna start having thousands of emails sent to your offices um, just on a, on a regular basis to prove a point. Uh, all right. Well, thanks, Don. Thank and you for I'm going to have you on for a longer interview, and we're going to do the, uh, the five question I ask everybody then. So, okay, so fine. Be good. All right. Thanks for listening. Take Aloha. care. Aloha.